T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This past week, Chicago played host to a sort of multifaceted symposium on gun violence. But there's been so much other news in the city lately, you might not have heard much about it. Still, the issues being discussed were literally life or death, so we are going to catch up with some of that discussion. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. Organizations, including the Heartland Alliance, Chicago Cred, and neighborhood groups like Communities Partnering for Peace held events all designed to highlight the need for more anti-violence programs in the city. Uh, there were discussions with gun violence survivors and restorative justice experts. There were discussions among activists, officials, and law enforcement. Well, what good did it all do? We will ask. Joining me this weekend is Arnie Duncan. You probably know him best as the former U.S. Education Secretary and former CEO of the Chicago Public Schools. But he's also the founder of Chicago Cred, an organization helping young people at risk for violence. His group sponsored one of the three symposiums. We're also joined by Autry Phillips. He is the executive director of the Target Area Development Corporation. He's also a member of GAPA, the Grassroots Alliance for Police Accountability. And thank you both for being here. Thank you, Craig. Um, Arnie Duncan, there was a lot of activity here uh, this past week, all about the crisis of gun violence that we're facing in the city. Um, why all the talk when there's already been so much talking? <laughs> well, I think we have to, yes, we have to talk and convene, but to your point, we have to act. And We've been at this for three years now uh, with a, just a laser focus. I'm obsessed with trying to reduce gun violence on the south and west sides and allow our children to grow up free of the fear and trauma that's just so absolutely devastating and so unfair. Um, as you guys, as you know, 2016 was a horrific year in terms of violence. Um, we've seen a 15% reduction um, in both homicides and shootings in 2017, another 15% reduction in 2018. We're looking at hopefully another 10 to 15% reduction at the end of this year, 2019. So, Craig, things are trending the right way, but we have so far to go. We are still in a state of crisis. We are still about six times more violent than New York. We're about three to four times more violent than L.A. We brought in experts from New York and L.A. to help, uh, to, uh, help advise us and talk through their strategies, what's working, what's not. And what was so important about this week is we had such a diverse group of folks there. We had the young men who were in the street life and trying to transition out. We had high school students. We had policymakers. We had funders. We had experts. And just seeing people, everyone at the same table working together to figure out how we get better, how we get better faster, it was actually really powerful. And, you know, I'm going to also, uh, you know, point back to our own profession. Uh, I don't know how much news, uh, news coverage there was of that, but I know we, we didn't and, and others did not because of how many other things were going on. Autry Phillips, uh, you know, when people hear about multiple shootings every weekend and gun violence in some ways becomes a norm, and I don't really feel comfortable saying it that way, and it, it's, it's not really, but how do you foster or harness a sense of urgency among people to get something done. 
Yeah, Craig, as a organization like ours who are on the front lines, we are one some of the individuals who are at the scenes where the yellow tape separates the mom from the young man or the young sister or the young daughter that's on the on the ground uncovered. And everyone's looking at them. We're the individual groups and organizations that have to tell the mom, you can't go and hug your daughter. You can't go and touch your son who just got shot. We're the groups that's helping to prevent the next shooting. It's hard for us to think about this being a norm when we're out there on the street seeing it every day. Each time someone is shot, each one of my brothers and sisters that do this work in the CP4P world and other groups that's doing it just as well as we are, we feel every shot. Well, let's uh, let's talk about what was talked about there. And either one of you can answer this. To talk about the kinds of things that were talked about in these discussions, and I know they were happening in different parts of the city, but is it more of the problem or is it about programs that work, things not to do? How, what do you hear the most of in these things? Well, I think, Craig, the most important thing for your listeners to understand is that the young men who are caught in these cycles of violence, I absolutely believe they're the solution, not the problem. And so what Achi and so many of our partners are doing across the city is we're working directly with the young men and giving them a pathway out of the street life, which far too often leads to violence into mainstream society. So having great outreach teams to, to bring in guys and work with them and build relationships, credible messengers, doing counseling, trauma counseling. Our guys have lived with trauma their entire life. A chance to, to make some money, to, to make an honest living, um, a chance to be part of a cohort of guys that are doing something positive. Um, transformation is not overnight, it's over time. But we have so many guys who have uh, experienced, who have been shot too much, um, some who have honestly done more than their fair share of shooting, but they're going to lead our communities where we need to go. But we have to continue to invest in them. We can't arrest our way out of this. We can't incarcerate our way out of this. I would argue that mass incarceration has actually had a really destabilizing impact um, on too many families on the south and west sides in those communities. So working with men, giving them a chance to transform their, their lives, that's where we're investing from a philanthropic standpoint. But we have to challenge the city and the state to invest in our young men and give them a chance to be the positive, productive leaders for their families and the communities that they actually want to be. Mm. Audrey Phillips, uh, how comfortable are people in the community, the, the mothers who are standing on the other side of the tape, uh, with seeing the attention being put on the people who they might perceive as being at the center of the, the problems. Yeah, excellent question. One thing we've learned is that if we continuously have a presence in the community of individuals who are doing the work for real, our work speaks for itself. Those individuals who may have done things wrong in the past have an opportunity right now to make the wrongs right. They're able to go places where our police departments can't go. They're able to do things and talk to people where our police department professionals will never reach. We have to understand one thing. You're going to hear this throughout my speech today. Mm -hmm. Outreach works. We have to be able to reach the individuals who are mostly affected by the problem in the communities that are mostly served that I mostly experienced in the highest level of shootings on the south and west sides of Chicago. 
Did either of you during the this week hear anything you hadn't heard before? I mean, was anything new, whether it be about the problem or about ways to get beyond them? You, you know, there's my colleague and friend uh, at MFS, at Metropolitan Family Services, Von Bryant. He made a statement at Kennedy King College this weekend. It was so profound. He said that in order for the city to get better, the south and west side of Chicago has to get better. We have to be a, 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 a city of one, not a city of two. We can't have one great-looking downtown Chicago and then come to our homes where we live and it look like Beirut. It's not fair. We have to challenge the people that are in charge to do the right things. Bring together the right people, which I believe that we're doing now. Bringing, bringing together the right people to make the right moves. Get this, at the right time. If not now, when, Craig? Arnie? Uh, there were a, a couple of things I thought were really important. First, just hearing from the leaders in New York and L.A. who are driving this work. Um, they're investing you know, $30, 40000000 million a year um, on this side. In New York, they've embedded outreach across many, many city departments. They've been at this 10, 15, 20 years, and they are that far ahead of us. And so we can leapfrog. We don't, shouldn't take 20 years to catch up. But there's a pretty clear roadmap of what has led – to their significant reductions in violence in New York and L.A. It's actually fascinating. We're the th- you know, this is really tough. We're the third largest city, obviously you know, second to uh, after, after uh, New York and then L.A., but we have more violence in Chicago than New York and L.A. combined. Right. That makes no sense, Craig. It doesn't have to be that way. We shouldn't be, that, we shouldn't be in crisis. We shouldn't be that much of an anomaly. And, in fact, we have more police officers per capita than New York and L.A., so the police have a very important role to play, and we partner with some unbelievable individual officers. But again, we can't just rely on the police to chase, chase guys after the fact. We have to give guys a reason to change. We had many of the young men who are in our programs actually at the event. And for them to, to, to hear that conversation, to see how much people care about them, to feel important. One guy afterwards said, I'm going to go home and tell everybody I was at a real meeting. <laughs> that was, a, yeah. that was a, a new experience for him. One guy is one of our recent guys that came in through Street Outreach. He's been with us for only a month, so relatively you know, short amount of time. He's like, my life is completely different, and I see what I can do now. And I'm working so hard to change. And he said, I'm trying to bring my guys. I got some guys in my block. I'm trying to bring them as, as well. Um, no one's winning on the street, Craig. There's this myth that everyone's getting rich. Our guys aren't getting rich on the streets. They're getting shot at. They're getting chased by the police. They want something better for themselves and their families. No one is mandated to work with us. No probation officers. No Judges force anyone to come work with us. Everywhere we go, we have a waiting list of young men trying to change their lives, trying to do something more positive and productive. And we have to scale. We have to keep growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go, go ahead. Craig, it's really important, too, that we look at the fact of the change that's happening with the individuals who's doing the work. Those individuals have opportunities. For instance, I have an a outreach worker who we're going to call Will Kill. He's from Inglewood. Young man, back in the day, he did everything that possibly could could be done. But now he's a homeowner. He's he has his first ID. He has he has a driver's license. He has a credit card. He's part of society now. He has a full time job where we're able to give those individuals an opportunity to do right and help us change all the wrong that has been done. So I'm pushing for individuals 
uh, like Ernie, and I'm going to use him for a second, to use its, his, his or her power to help us. Because we've been doing this and we've been on the street for years. But we, now we have the backing, now we have the support, which is what we're calling for today. Is that the model that works the best? Uh, it, it was working in that direction. Uh, and because I, I have to think, and, and you and I, Arnie, have talked about this before uh, the last time you were here. There is a percentage of young men, mostly, uh, who will hear this message and think, no, nah, that's not me. The overwhelming majority of guys want something better. Many of our young men are fathers. Um, their fathers often weren't in their lives. Their fathers were locked up, incarcerated, or dead. Um, they want to be present. They want to do something more positive. So I, you know, I visit Cook County Jail, talk to guys all the time. You know, I think 85, 90% of guys want something better, want something different. What the guys tell me is they think 98, 99% of guys <laughs> want something better, want something different. Um, as I said earlier, Craig, this, it's, it's a, it is such a challenging life that they're leading now, just constant hypervigilance, looking over their back every second. Guys talk to me about their routines where they drive home and they have to drive around their block three or four times and they know every alley and every car and if anything's out of place, they can't leave their car. They have targets on their back. Nobody wants to live like that. And for, you know, just we challenge people. This is, you can call it tough love, you can call it whatever, but just a chance to do something better. Um, the vast, overwhelming majority of guys on the street need those opportunities, want those opportunities. We started with about 30 young men three years ago in September 2016 with all of our partners. We're up to closer to 500 men now, Craig, and some young women too. Um, but we have to continue to grow. We have to continue to scale. And if we do that, I'm convinced we'll see a precipitous, a dramatic drop in violence, which is what we need. The other thing, Craig, I'll say quickly that, that mm -hmm. troubles me is like the numbers are real. The 15% reductions each year for three years, the numbers are very real. But I'm in schools all the time talking to kids, and we talk to kids in the south and west sides. They don't feel safer yet. So the data is real, but if they don't feel they can go to the store or go to the park or play outside – we're not close to where we need to be. And we just have to be honest about that, that, that tough truth, that brutal truth, that we have a long, long way to go as a city, and we can't rest. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. We're talking about gun violence and ways to help end it. My guests this week are former Education Secretary Arnie Duncan, the founder of Chicago Cred, and Autry Phillips, the executive director of the Target Area Development Corporation. Let's talk directly about something you we've been kind of talking around and you've been saying to scale things up we need to have more efforts like this there is an ordinance uh that's uh, before the city council right now to dedicate 50 million dollars a year to anti-violence programs um but which program i mean <laughs> you know as as it always is there's going to be competition for that money uh even among the anti-violence community uh, you know, how do you know that the money is being well spent? Because, you know, yes, $50 million is better and bigger than the $11 million, but if the money's going somewhere that, you know, it shouldn't be, people will, again, be, if not betrayed, dis certainly disappointed. Well, first of all, money by itself is never the answer, but this is a desperately needed investment. 
And what we don't talk about is every homicide costs a city about $1.4 million. So what we're losing in terms of revenue, what we're losing in terms of reputation, the, 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 the hit that Chicago's reputation has taken nationally and internationally is devastating. And forget, again, the, the trauma in, in the local communities. So what we're working hard to do is work in real collaboration across the city. We have convenings where we have outreach workers from across the city working together, being trained together. We go through data very carefully together. Um, that's going to continue to happen. You're not seeing a competition. You're not seeing a, you know, a fighting for resources. What we are looking to do is to scale and to work with more, uh, many more, uh, many more, you know, a couple thousand more young men. So the ordinance, to be clear, calls for $50 million. We are working extraordinarily hard to support that ordinance. What's currently in Mayor Lightfoot's budget is about $10 million. And she was handed a, you know, a very tough budget, as you know, a huge budget deficit. And this is an important first step. But we're going to continue to, to challenge and, and encourage the, the mayor and the aldermen to increase that investment and, and work towards that $50 million that's in the ordinance, because that's how great the need is. And for me, Craig, this is the crisis facing the city. We're sitting downtown now is gorgeous, but you go you know, three miles west of us and six miles you know, to the south of us, as Audrey said, our, our kids are growing up in war zones. And we can't be satisfied. We can't be comfortable sitting in places like this beautiful office building downtown um, when our kids don't have, have access to, to just the basics of, of safety. Mm. Uh, uh, Craig, one thing we have to realize, too, is that we cannot arrest our way out of this crisis. Let's just be real. To put a value on the life of an individual youth that lives not downtown or not in Lincoln Park, why is it a discussion about how much? We should be talking about the fact that lives are being saved by individuals who are out there every day. It's interesting to me that whenever we talk about the South and West Side, we talk about how much. But every time we bring a kid downtown, we see buildings going up every day that's costing us, what, billions of dollars. We're looking at lives. We're looking at the future of Chicago. Our, chi our children on the south and west side love this city just as much as the children in Lincoln Park. But the opportunity for them is different. And all we're asking for is an opportunity of equal equity. That's all we're asking for. But whenever we've talked about this, and I, you know, I know that uh, sometimes it's easy to focus on one, one thing that could solve a problem, but when you're dealing with something like like violence across the city, yeah, I mean, I've you know, at different times we're talking about development in areas. I mean, if you don't have a, a a good place to live or a vibrant community, then your life isn't going to be good. It is availability of guns. It's morality. It's it's the sense of community, it's, it's policing. Do you have to do, do you have to do all of those things at once? Let me, well, yeah, let, go ahead. Let, let me go. Last night we had a community meeting in Englewood. Over 65 people came to that community meeting. And Craig, what we talked about was taking ownership and responsibility for ourselves. We looked at the corridor that we were on that was dirty. It was trash on the street. Our action plan was to the next few days get with the alderman's office, get with the residents who live on that on those three continuous blocks, and we clean them up ourselves. We're not just asking the city to come out here and give us money. We're asking you to get in the game. 
No, that's exactly right. And Craig, your point's the right one. There, there's no one answer. This is this is very complicated. And I would say I think we're trying to solve an economic problem. We're not trying to solve a, a crime problem. So we need economic investment. We need jobs. We hire many of the, the young men. Um, we need housing. We're, we're, these neighborhoods um, have a shortage of residents. They often don't have a shortage of housing. So we're doing renovation. We're doing rehab. Hope to turn those homes over to you know folks doing the work or in the community. We'll start our own social enterprise to increase the number of businesses, um, job opportunities for, for young men. We have you know, almost 40 businesses that are hiring our young men as they've got to a better place. We have men working in hospitality and culinary and manufacturing at hospitals. We have two guys working at law firms down here. We have one young man working in Deloitte, which is a, a, amazing. Um, so we have to have a multifaceted approach, but I just want people to understand this is an investment, not an expense. Again, every homicide costs $1.4 million. A bed at Cook County Jail costs about $65,000. This is peanuts compared to that. And the fact that we've been unwilling to invest in the men, in the communities that are being devastated by this violence, that's our fault. That's our fault, Craig. It's not their fault. How hopeful are either of you uh, for the city's new Invest Southwest plan, which really in some ways is taking money that was already in the pipeline, but making sure it gets used, but on things like making those corridors better, uh, on bringing more businesses into the area. And some of them are, you know, it, is, it does involve dealing with, for example, uh, BMO Bank and, and the uh, uh, United Way are doing uh, neighborhood building on the west side. How th- is that going to make a difference? You, you, again, we have to take ownership of our own communities before Starbucks will come on 74th and Stewart, let's just be real. The probability of that happening is very small. We have to start looking at the fact that the areas that we're living in have to be policed by us. We have to start investing in individuals who live there every day. We don't need any more people parachuting in and helping us and telling us what to do. What we need is individuals who are doing the work for real to bring down the violence so a Starbucks will feel safe enough to come into our community. Mm. We have to take ownership. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit in the few minutes that we have left. Uh, How much of a difference is it going to make uh, that Police Superintendent Eddie Johnson is, is retiring in the middle of some of these efforts because, frankly, he got the job uh, he didn't want the job, but he got the job and took the job with the idea that this kind of thing does have to happen exactly the way you're saying. And does having him leave um, hurt this effort? So I have tremendous personal respect for Eddie Johnson. I can't imagine. I've had some hard jobs. I've never been a police chief for a city. <laughs> That's a very, very hard job that takes a tremendous physical and mental toll. And I just want to thank him for his lifetime of service. Um, obviously, we have an interim superintendent coming in um, from, from L.A. LA yeah. From L.A. And L.A. is, again, like New York, has done a lot of things better than us. So we can you know, hopefully learn some things. I will say, Craig, that at the structural level, while, again, I'll, I'll always say we work with some amazing individual police, trust between the police and the community at the structural level is broken. And one of the things we highlighted this week at the symposium, there's something called the clear rate, which is the percent of crimes that get solved. Um, and in Chicago in 2017, the clear rate for homicides was 17%. So 
So that meant you literally had an 83% chance of getting away with murder. And if you shot someone and didn't kill them, um, that has a you know three to four percent clear rate. Um, in other cities, the clear rate is 50, 60, 70 percent, you know, three, four, five times higher than, than ours here. And so the police have to work really, really hard to rebuild trust with the community. And that's, again, that's another piece. They can't do it by themselves. That's another piece of the puzzle yeah, that, that has to get better. It's piece of the puzzle, too. Well, I well, mean, it's going to take more bodies. I don't, I don't, I, well, yeah. I actually, honestly, I disagree with that because, again, we actually have more police per capita here than in other places. What, we, what we're lacking is trust. What we're lacking is mutual respect. And so I'm not sure if it takes a huge amount of more of additional dollars. What it takes is doing some things very, very differently and um, doing it with humility. And we work with amazing police. We work with amazing commanders who are getting out of their cars and walking blocks and doing things and building real relationships. And, and that's, what, um, that's what changes lives. Audrey Phillips, I'm going to ask you the tough question. What does the city uh, need to look for? in a next superintendent or the police board who will actually be doing the uh, the screening. If you were on that police board, <laughs> what would your priorities be? That, that's something that we're fighting for. It's a community voice in selecting the next superintendent. If you want to do something that's affecting the individuals the most, invite them to the table so that their voices can be heard. The new superintendent of Chicago, in my opinion, should have the heart and have the ability to listen to community. Um, there are some voices in the community that have been saying, well, we need is less police involvement, less involvement, I mean, less uh, investment in police. Are you hearing that at the street level? What we're seeing and what we, and what we know for a fact, outreach works. We cannot, again, we cannot police our way out of this. The individuals that are mostly affected need someone that they can touch on a regular basis to help them make the right decisions at the right time. This big picture, Craig, the, my numbers won't be perfect, but uh, the, the city budget for law enforcement is about $2.5 billion for 2% of that, 2% of that, wow. a tiny little bit, $50 million. That would enable us to scale outreach across the city. That would enable us to touch not 500 men, but 5,000 men. That's the kind of investment. Again, it's not this versus that. It's not in competition. We have to be doing all of these things together and holding ourselves accountable and being good partners. We met yesterday with, we meet every two weeks with uh, police leadership and outreach on the south and west sides, groups that historically were more oppositional maybe or confrontational. We're working, we're sharing information, we're creating space for each other. And I'm actually, you know, I feel a huge sense of urgency. We're nowhere near where we should be, but I'm actually very, very optimistic that we can get to a very different place, a much safer city in the next couple of years. What's the next concrete steps that have to be taken or that you want to see taken in order to keep this going? And so that it isn't, we aren't here talking about another symposium uh, next year and how far have we gotten? Well, we would love to see the city's investment in this prevention side on the outreach uh, go from the proposed $10 million to what the aldermen are, are asking for in the ordinance, which is $50 million. That would be a huge step in the right direction, a huge step. Audrey Phillips, what other step do you want to see taken? You know, I am really encouraged by our new mayor. I believe that she has the heart, and I think she has the will to make this happen. We're asking for the $50 million. 
but I believe that she's one person that will actually see it through for us. She cares about the city. Last quick thing, if I could, Craig, is just mm-hmm. I, the most important thing for me for your listeners to understand is to to really feel our men's humanity. These are men who have been through a tremendous amount. They are so smart. They are so resilient. They are so committed to doing something different. Our men are not the problem. They're the solution to the problem. And we have to walk with them. We have to listen to them. But they are going to lead Chicago to a safer place if we, if we give them that opportunity. That's going to be the final word. That is Arnie Duncan, head of Chicago Cred, and Autry Phillips, who is the director of Target Area Development Corporation. Thank you both for taking the time to... Uh, for a discussion that went way too fast, and uh, so we'll have to do it again sometime. <laughs> to our listeners, if you would uh, like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That's WBBMNewsRadio.com. Just follow the podcast links, and you can also find our podcasts on Radio.com. I'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.